In a recent Harvard study, over 7,000 people between 25 and 74 years of age were randomly selected from across the United States for a study on human flourishing. This study discovered that people who grew up with warm and loving parents enjoyed greater happiness, life satisfaction, physical and mental health, meaning and purpose, good character, and better relationships at much higher rates in adulthood. The evidence is clear. Loving relationships are essential to healthy human development. This is also true spiritually. We can be born again individually, but God intends for us to grow in Christ in the context of a healthy spiritual family. Christian community is a critical component of spiritual development. We need to love and be loved by the family of God. And believers who try to live their Christian lives solo will live stunted spiritual lives. If you long to be part of a healthy, loving local church and wonder how to find one, join Nathan Norman, Kent Edwards, and Vicki Hitzkiss as they give you God's directions to the loving spiritual family you long for. Welcome to Crosstalk, a Christian podcast whose goal is for us to encourage each other to not only increase our knowledge of the Bible, but to take the next step beyond information into transformation. Our goal is to bring the Bible to life into all our lives. I'm Brian French. Today, Dr. Kent Edwards, Vicki Hitzkiss, and Nathan Norman continue their discussion through the book of Acts. And if you have a Bible handy, turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 13 to 41, as we join their discussion. Nathan, Vicki, what is the best church you've ever been part of, and why? I mean, what made it so good? Yeah, for me, right off the bat, I mean, the church I'm currently in, it is phenomenal because people, they just love each other. And they love me and they love my family and we have great relationships. And if you ever need anything, you pick up a phone and give someone a call or I guess a text and uh, <laughs> and usually help is on the way. But also, you know, close to that is the church I grew up in, uh, Luptondale Bible Church back in Newburgh, New York. Um, my goodness, it was just... Same reason. Uh, there are people that I still have a good relationship with there, uh, some who've gone on to be with the Lord, but there are individuals who <sighs> invested into my life. One of my favorite all-time churches was back in Toronto as a high school student when attending a local church. I met a pastor who, for the first time, was a pastor, cared about people, spent time with them. Wasn't necessarily the best on all technical levels, but boy, he loved people and he loved sharing the gospel. That was Another church uh, that I really love being part of was a church we planted uh, north of Toronto. It's such a great group of people all working together to make a Bible-believing church in that area. That um, It was just really fun to work together with like-minded people. People look for churches for different reasons. Some because they minister to uh, one age group of their family. Another because perhaps of worship or some other reason. But uh, I find it fascinating in the book of Acts to see a really, really good church. If you've been with us, you'll know that the Holy Spirit came and, man, did we see a great church start um, the whole church movement. We read that uh, in the book of Acts, they were evangelistic. Uh, Jesus said, told the disciples they should stay in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. 
so that they will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Wow. And they were. When the Holy Spirit came, people were empowered to preach the gospel in different languages to different people so they could understand it in their heart language. It wasn't just the pastor. The whole church was evangelistic. Now, if you're looking for a good church, one of the things I'd be looking for is their evangelistic emphasis. Are they interested in sharing the gospel locally and globally? Sure is nice when you find a church like that, isn't it? Boy, it's going to be rare these days, don't you think? Yeah, it's hard. We've talked about this previously, but when the church is in survival mode and trying to survive, you know, the natural inclination is just to kind of withdraw into yourselves, which ironically is the thing that hastens the the death of a church or the decline of a church. Yeah. But not only do I see a strong emphasis on evangelism in this early church in the book of Acts, but also clear biblical teaching. We mentioned last week, there's no such thing as a pastor, only pastor teachers. All pastors are teachers. A church needs to have a teaching. And after the Holy Spirit arrived, Peter's, the Apostle Peter's ability to understand and communicate the Bible was outstanding. I mean, Vicki, you're the professional speaker here, but but wouldn't you say Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2 you know, hits all the marks? I would say that, and that's what I like in a church. I like to go and learn and be challenged and leave and think, wow, I can apply that this week. I love that. Yeah. Well, every church needs that. They need a clear biblical teaching. No question about that. We see that in the last part of chapter 2 in verse 42, where we read that these people, remember, 3,000 people had just been added to the church as a result of Peter's sermon. And now in verse 42, we read that they started hanging out together. All these people, they got a lot in common, right? Before they were chasing all kind, all manner of sin and selfishness. But now that they have been saved, that they have been filled with the Holy Spirit, they have a commonality that they never had before. In verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking bread and to prayer. Yeah. So, and we read in verse 46 that every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And verse 42, as you just read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Why? Be devoted, that's a pretty strong word. I mean, this was really important. They just didn't come to endure a message. <laughs> they came to enjoy. They, they came to feed off this. I mean, they devoted themselves. Why was that so important? I mean, what did these new Christians need to learn? Well, they needed to learn everything. It was all new to them. When you hear the word and you either don't know it or it's fresh and it's vital, it changes you and it excites you. Yeah. yeah. So, Nathan, what do you think some of the content of those sermons might have been? Oh, they needed to understand who Jesus was, who he uh, is, mm -hmm. and what he will do when he comes again. Uh, mm -hmm. They uh, needed to learn how to be in a right relationship with him, uh, which a lot of that would come from the apostles' time, uh, from Jesus' teaching with them in the last three years. Uh, but a lot of it, they're going to look back to the Old Testament and see God's work in the Old Testament 
as a continuation into their current day and age, as we now call the New Testament era. And, uh, and they need to learn how to have a right relationship with their Lord and Savior. Yeah. Once we become Christians, we now have to learn how to live with a holy God. Hmm. We don't know how to do that. Every part of our being has been affected to some degree by sin. Your father, Haddon Robinson, used to say, Vicki, we all suffer from a curvature of the, of the soul. We won't know how to live with a holy God and with holy people without the clear teaching of Scripture. And we need that teaching today, don't we? I mean, isn't biblical preaching as important today as it was then? It's not like we know how to live upright, right lives unless we're in the Word. Amen. Yeah. And the psalmist says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that does not listen to the scoffers of this world, doesn't spend all his time on social media, but meditates on the word of the Lord day and night. He, she is the one, are the ones who will flourish because of that. So one of the things, if I'm looking for a really great church, I'm looking for one that's evangelistic. Do we care about the lost? Do we only, do we have a selfish gospel? I'm okay and you don't matter? That's certainly not what we find in the Bible. I look for a church that's got clear biblical teaching. I need to have a biblical communicator who knows that man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. How do you know you're listening to a good preacher? I mean, I know it's important, but how do you know if you're listening to a good preacher or a bad preacher? Is it their style? Is it their jokes? I think style and jokes, I think style and jokes enter into it. But I listen to what they say and how they say it. And then I think, is this consistent with what I already know in the Word of God? And if it's not, then I think that person's just trying to entice me with their style. They're just trying to entice me with their humor. I want to know what does God say and is that person accurate? Hmm. Yeah. And do they help you to understand what the Bible's saying better? Or are they saying something that you're not sure whether that comes from the Bible or not, or from the passage that you happen to be in that week? I think one of the things that I have found helpful as well is the fact that I need to see the pastor, the preacher, show me in the Bible that what they are saying is actually in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I want to see it for myself. I, I've had it up to here with people who say, I'm the expert, I'm the scholar, just sit back and trust whatever I tell you is true. And if it's too complicated or too, or too difficult for you to see in the text, then you just have to trust me because I have much more education than you. Uh, I don't buy that. Um, we don't want to go to a church that doesn't preach the Bible. And I think we should be applying the lesson of the Berean Christians in Acts 17.11. That's one of my favorite verses. Yeah. Acts 17.11 says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Hmm. To me, that's a stink test. Can I see that what I have heard is true to God's word? If it is, I'm in. 
And if it's not, I think we better run for cover. Well, and to add to that, Kent, is the apostles are saying they're of noble character. They are right. uh, congratulating the Bereans for questioning them through the scriptures, right? So if you're if you go to a pastor or spiritual leader or speaker and say, hey, you said this, and I'm looking at my Bible here, how does that work with what you're saying? Or I'm confused, right? And they they get very defensive or they throw up their their degrees or or their level of education or whatever. Uh, that that's a good sign that they're not terribly interested in what God says more so than what they say. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's a link here. When churches are evangelistic, are reaching out to win the lost, and when they have clear biblical teaching, it will result in what the emphasis of this last paragraph in chapter 2 is really all about. It'll result in genuine fellowship. Because notice what it said in verse 42. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Right. But the emphasis, I think, here is on the two major things, teaching and fellowship. Because when you have accepted Christ as your Savior, then you are part of a new community. And when you have clear biblical teaching, you know that God is now your father, and so your bro- every member of the church is your literally your brother or sister in Christ. And that leads to genuine community. Looking for a good church? <laughs> sure, it's got that as well. But, but we use the word fellowship all the time in church circles. What does it really mean, Nathan? Yeah, fellowship is the gathering of together. And what I appreciate about fellowship is it's not necessarily it's not program-based, right? Fellowship happens when believers get together over coffee or they have a meal together uh, like a family would, right? It it happens when they are working on a car together, when they're uh, throwing the football outside together. It it just is something that happens when believers gather together and uh, and they're able to, to share life together. Iron just naturally starts sharpening iron at that point. Right. I mean, fellowship in English seems a little bit too superficial. It comes from the Greek word koinonia, which describes a genuine, selfless, intimate, interactive relationship with others, like you'd have with a real healthy family. What did that look like in this context? Well, it says in the passage here, in verse 42, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. The breaking of bread and prayer, I think that's just an expression of the fellowship that they enjoyed. I think um, this may refer to the fact that church services themselves, they were not just a performance. They were a family meeting. People didn't slink out in, in and out when the worship and teaching times were over. No, I, they, they spent time with the breaking of bread. They shared a common meal because that's what families do. When they're eating together, they cared about each other and shared joys and concerns, and that led them to pray for each other. Which means they didn't just do church together, they solved problems together. All the believers came together, and if there was a need, they prayed for each other. 
But they did more than just pray for each other, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They really came together like like a like a family would that loves each other and supports each other and gives without thinking about themselves in return. It said all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold hmm. property. Can you imagine doing that? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Wow. That means that um, they really did see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. When our family's in trouble, we help them out. When our spiritual family is in trouble, where there's genuine community, we help each other out. That's not just saying we love somebody. That's literally putting our money where our mouth is, which is kind of what James talked about in James chapter two, right, Nathan? Yeah, just to that point, though, I have to say at my church, we uh, years ago came up with a a policy. It's kind of a guideline that uh, that we can refer to when people ask for money or for help. And there's kind of three levels. It's like if someone that we have no clue who you are asks for money, this is kind of what we do, right? And then we we can refer to the guideline. If someone we know about them, not really involved with our church or our church community, you know, we can do kind of this level of thing. And if it's a church member. Or, or someone from the church, mm -hmm. I mean, basically that says, okay, we'll have a discussion and base and the sky's the limit, essentially. <laughs> it really, it really does. And, and there wasn't really any pushback from anyone on the deacon team on that, because that's, that's what a family does. We, we know who you are. We want to take care of you. Uh, we know that you're not lying about your, your electric bill, you know, uh, or, uh, or your car breaking down because we saw you didn't get to church on Sunday. <laughs> but in James 2, it says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions is dead oh, that's genuine community when people do church together solve problems together and as we see also here they opened their lives to each other i mean it seems almost quaint in many parts of the world today but look at what they did in verse 46 and 47 it says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Hmm. What's the significance of the fact that they opened their homes to each other? Your home is the most intimate place that you have. It's where you mm -hmm. live and where you rest and where you, you know, take get the... Get away. Yeah, get away. Mm-hmm. Undo the belt buckle, a couple loops. You know? <laughs> uh, it's 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 one of your most vulnerable places, and you're intimate, if I can use that term. And you're mm -hmm. inviting people into your most intimate space. Yeah, I enjoy being in people's homes because a person's home reveals their character, their priorities, their preferences more clearly than anything else because it's where you have total control over your environment. It's not an office where someone else decides. And so when you invite someone into your home, you're really inviting them into your life. I want to know you and want to be known by you. 
all through our lives together in ministry, my wife and I have always looked for homes and opportunities to have people over, to get to know people on a deeper level. And that's what happens in the church. As community grows, people grow closer together. They're not just doing church, they are living church. Finding a good church, a great church family that can nurture your soul is, is hard. To be clear, you need to have biblical teaching. I mean, <laughs> we've seen that in this passage. If the pastor teacher doesn't understand or com clearly communicate God's love letter, yeah, keep walking. You need to find one that does. But when it comes to the rest, when it comes to evangelism and fellowship, you don't, you don't really have to wait. When it comes to evangelism, start doing it. Let your light shine when you lead someone to Christ, introduce them to the church. It's always exciting when a baby is born to a family. You could do that. Bring them in. You'll find other people will be interested in doing the same thing. <laughs> and where we long for fellowship, man, I don't need to look for the perfect church. I can help make my church more perfect. We can do church together. We can solve problems together. We can genuinely open our lives to each other. Uh, the fact is, you and I will never find the perfect church. But you can take the initiative in evangelism and fellowship and actually put it into practice yourself. I think you'll find that as you do that, other people will join you. So let's stop church hopping. Start helping your church become the great church you always wanted it to be. What role can we play to make our church healthy and, well, good? We may not be pastors, but we can play a part in evangelism and in loving our fellow parishioners by helping to build community. I trust that today's discussion of God's Word has been helpful and served as an encouragement to not just be hearers of the Word, but doers. Together, let's bring God's Word to life, to our lives this week. The Crosstalk Podcast is a production of Crosstalk Global, equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. To find out more or to support the work of this ministry, please visit www.crosstalkglobal.org. You can also support this show by sharing it on your social media and telling your friends. Tune in next Friday as we continue our discussion through the book of Acts. Be sure to join us. 